Hey, China Talk listeners, we're doing something a little different for this episode. The Party Congress this week has frankly made me more pessimistic and depressed for the future of China and the future of the U.S.-China relationship than I've ever been. I really like to bring positivity and energy to podcasting, uh, but it's becoming harder and harder to do when talking about modern China. However, there is one thing of late that has really captured my imagination and brought back a little bit of my innate techno-optimism, and that's the explosive progress of large language models like GPT-3 and diffusion models like Dolly, Midjourney, and Stable Diffusion. Over a few episodes this fall, I'll be talking to more folks in this space, exploring what's possible and how these AI advancements are going to change the world. If this show isn't your cup of tea, not to worry, we'll have plenty of coverage of the Party Congress and U.S.-China tech tensions in the coming weeks. For a little bit of context that'll be necessary to understand the rest of the show, the way Midjourney works is you supply their model with a text prompt saying, for instance, a minimalist podcast logo about a show where two people talk about China, and then it will generate four examples of that image. And I could say, not just minimalist, but in the style of Monet, in the style of Renoir, in the style of a Guohua painting, really whatever you could possibly imagine. I'd recommend you go to playgroundai.com where you can use these models for free. So to kick off a series on AI and creativity, I brought on Steve Coulson, a creative director who focuses on experiential events uh, and the creator of a short comic drawn entirely by the diffusion model Midjourney. Co-hosting me on this episode is my little brother, Phil Schneider. Steve and Phil, welcome to China Talk. So Steve, um, what is what is this project and why did you want to do it? Uh, as a creative director, I always start to play with new technologies and I was playing with Stable Fusion, with Midjourney specifically. And the wonderful thing about uh, that uh, model, Midjourney is my favorite because it has a nice artistic, artistic vibe. Um, one of the great things about it is is it it kind of I kind of think of Midjourney as the world's greatest art forger because I can sit there and I can ask it to give me a give me an image in the style of a Renaissance painting, for example. So I so I I often think of Midjourney as an art forger because it can replicate a style, which is what a forger does, right? Convincingly replicate a style. Um, and I played around with lots of um techniques and i started to because obviously i i just think i'd just come back from san diego comic-con and wondered if i could use use mid-journey to successfully forge a comic book um and the result was something called summer island which is to all intents and purposes a a regular comic book. So let's talk a bit about the learning process that you had, Steve, working with Midjourney. So how do you, how do you like improve over time in getting it to create the visions that you had in your head? And I guess what was the sort of feedback loop of it uh, also sort of inspiring you to take your vision in different directions? Well, let's see. Summer Island is a story about a small isolated community worshipping a monster who sacrifice a traditional photojournalist to their god, which is not only a riff on classic folk horror stories, but also a, a metaphor for what's happening with artificial intelligence at the moment. A small, isolated community growing every day, worshipping a new god, will, uh, willing to sacrifice traditional 
artisans for the sake of that that monster. So I thought there was kind of a nice story to tell with Mid Journey. It uh, using artificial intelligence uh, image generator to tell a sequential story is, is is a very different process to usual uh, uh, mechanics of creating, whether it's a storyboard or a cartoon or something a photo story. Um, because the intensity of the labor that you usually need to create that kind of story means that you usually you write the story, you finish the story to a certain extent, and then you hand it to the artist who will go off and then draw the story. But but Mid Journey will will spit back a, uh, an image at you, or four images at you for you to select which is your favorite in a couple of minutes. And as Mid Journey was giving me new imagery, that was a uh, all, every image was amazing. Uh, it was affecting the story, which was going in in different directions than I originally anticipated. So it's really a fascinating new 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 way to tell a story. And Steve, when you're working with these programs, do you consider yourself as a co-collaborator, as the lead artistic creator? There's a really interesting debate going on at the moment about. Is it art? Is the person who uses Midjourney an artist? I certainly don't think of myself as a collaborator with Midjourney because Midjourney is just a a dumb tool. It's a very very sophisticated dumb tool, but it's still a dumb tool. I mean, any more than I would consider Photoshop a collaborator or you know desktop publishing software a collaborator. So I see it as a tool. I mean, there's no intelligence there. There's no the word artificial intelligence is a little bit of a misnomer here. It's just an incredibly sophisticated algorithm. Uh, look, I am not a computer engineer. I'm not an artificial intelligence expert at all. I am just a dabbler. I'm just, I, I mean, I'm a comic fan and a storyteller. And uh, I've always wanted to write a comic. As I say, I think in the back of the comic, I always wanted to write one. And I, and I never have because I would never, I would never waste a comic artist's time with, one of the, you know, one of my scripts that's never going to, you know. I think it would be more than a fun experiment. Um, and this was an opportunity for me to just do it myself. And evenings and weekends, it took about three weeks, evenings and weekends. I generated all the images I need. I pulled them into really, I pulled them into Apple Keynote to make the, make the pages. And then I published it online. And there it is out in the world. There's a moment in the comic in which the pilgrims at Summer Island stand at the feet of this gigantic sea god, mm. uh, itself seemingly inspired by the, the Wicker Monster in the 1973 British folk hero film Wicker Man. Um, your narrator writes, there's a quiet reverence in the air, a sense of anticipation. So if we're to take this as an allegory for the rise of artificial intelligence, as, as you've mentioned earlier, what are we supposed to make of the rather gruesome end in which the photographer is sacrificed to this? ravenous sea god dread of inevitability maybe i mean i think when i put the comic out into the world i got two very different responses i put the comic out into groups of people using the system you know facebook group reddit those people that are already using uh stable diffusion um and got a, an awful lot of praise a lot of support it's a growing community a fast-growing community, um, and they were uh, full of support. I think uh, it's taken a couple of months for people to progress beyond generating images and start creating graphic novels, and they are starting to emerge now um, uh, in some volume. 
And then I also put out on Twitter. And there it was found by a community of young artists or more mature artists who have spent 20 years honing their craft, who see mid-journey as a, a shortcut, as a threat, and that um, my creating the comic had somehow uh, taken money away from a struggling artist. Now, there was no money to start with, but I, but I understand that point. And I think... And I think the reverence of the community on the island, looking at the uh, the god, was the stable diffusion community. And I think the for us, the outsider, those reading the comic behind the fourth wall and seeing the dread of the consequence of that reverence is kind of what happened on on Twitter. My take on that is that this is so inevitable. <laughs> uh, you know, there's there's really no turning back. And I, and I do think there is a part of this where, you know, the time that you spent learning how to draw um, is probably going to have some utility in learning how to work with these um, models. But I'm curious, Steve, for your sense of like, to what extent do you think sort of traditional artistic skills would kind of increase your fluency with learning to to work in parallel with with things like mid-journey or do you see it as a totally different um uh uh kind of thread of expertise well look, what i what i tell you today is going to be different last week and different next week things are changing i think that's the thing people are unprepared for john you are right that it's inevitable the the the, the genie's out of the bottle i don't think the bottle the genies could be put back in there now um i what I don't think people are quite understanding is how exponentially fast the future is coming. I, I'm working on a second comic now, which is, and it's been three weeks since the last one came out. And the difference in quality of the second one compared to the first is staggering. And that's in three weeks. This, this system is getting so, so, so good so fast that, it, that I need to rush to finish the comic because if I spend more than three or four weeks, it will be outdated by the time I finished it by a, a next generation. And we're not used to technology coming at us that fast. I mean, I, I look at the quality of, let's take photography, stock, stock photography. If I, was, if I owned a stock photo house, I'd know that I was going to be out of business by the end of this year. I really do believe that. There will be no need for commercial stock photography by the end of the year. The next things that are going to fall, fashion photography, food photography, um, a lot of commercial art, fantasy illustrators. I have a feeling it's all under threat and it's, and it's all coming in months, like years. It's kind of just below the surface and you, you're just getting interested and you're just starting this, 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 this new podcast. Um, by the time you get to the 10th episode, the, the world will have changed dramatically mm. for anybody in the artistic field. We're good with, with positive and negatives. Um, and I say, I'm not an engineer. I don't know what the next iteration of these systems is going to be. I do know that, that it's, it's that the, the visual image is the first thing to fall, right? Music. There's a, there's a system, there are systems online where you can create artificial music. AI inspired music. I mean, after that, it's going to be video. 
that's going to be a while before that comes. But that, when I say a while, that's not 10 years out. Sure. And I think it will have a major impact on every industry. If you're in the, especially commercial art, if you, if you're in an illustration house, if you're a creative director of a, of a large advertising agency who has a team of, you know, storyboard artists and illustrators, your, your method of production is about to change profoundly. I want to come back to the sort of like, I mean, you only three months, like you're not up to 10,000 hours yet. Um, uh, but, but I guess I'm just curious, like coming, coming back to that, that experience, like what, what sort of learnings and tips and tricks and advice you might have for other people interested in, in, in pursuing similar projects. Right. I mean, you know, one thing I didn't do in my comic was share all the prompts that I used to create the artwork because it's, it's a bit, it's a bit meaningless in a sense, because if you and I tried exactly the same sentence with this, with this engine, we might get completely different results. You know, every image starts with random noise and, and coalesces from that random noise. So whatever seed we're using for each image is going to change it dramatically. So a lot of the, a lot of the technique I would say is uh, what we call re-rolling, which is you get an image and it's not quite right. So you press the button and ask it to, to give me another four options, give me another four options. So I must have rolled over a thousand images or a thousand variations of images to make the comic. And a lot of the work was actually in editing selection of the 50 images that I thought told the story the best. Um, it's almost like sending a photographer out but a photographer that just keeps the camera running constantly. And then you say, we'll figure it out when we get in the edit suite. We'll, we'll figure out the photo story when we get, you know, a thousand images back and let's pick the 15 best. So there's a little bit of brute force about it. So I would say to anybody who's, who's starting, it's, it, it, it is about how the prompts, how you describe it and having a, to answer your earlier question, having a, having a background in, in the arts helps because you know if i want this thing to look a certain way and i i, I can give it some visual visual reference as with any creative director or art director in the business if i want a, a type of illustration i might pull 10 examples of illustrators work to look at and we can talk about their style and say well you know let's 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 imbue our work with some of this flavor let's look at these architecture photographs and we want our set design to, to be reminiscent of Frank Lloyd Wright or whoever it may be. Um, so that definitely helps. And I um, was a photographer, so I can kind of specify sometimes film stocks or specify um, lens or, or studio lighting or food lighting or rim lighting and, and the system will try to replicate some of those things. So having some experience in, in, being able to describe visual visually what you want definitely helps. You know, this is this it's a very biased system, mid journey, and it will and it inherits the bias of the means of images that it is that it's trained on. So if you go into mid journey and ask for a beautiful woman, you will usually get a European young European symmetrical face because the fashion industry and the, and the entertainment industry has dictated that that is what a beautiful woman looks like. Um, 
And similarly, Midjourney works on English prompts. So if you are an English speaker and you are well conversant in that language, and not everybody who speaks English is well conversant in English, um, you can get some really good results back. And it, and I, you know, within the groups, I see um, people for whom English is a second language or even a third language having some difficulty with their prompts because at this point. I believe the only way to interact with these machines is through English language. Um, I'm sure that will change in the future as well. So for the record listeners out there, you actually can use Chinese as a prompt. You can with, with Midjourney or Stable Diffusion and it works and it understands and works. Uh, yeah, I'm doing it at wow. the moment. I put in menu, which is the, which is the word for beautiful woman in Chinese. That's and, really interesting. Uh, I'm very curious. It's loading as we speak. So we'll see if the purse, the people look androgen. I don't like a little bit Asian. Not really. Anyways, we'll put the photo in the show notes. I can specify if I go in my prompt and I specify the nationality or the ethnicity of the character that I want it to create, it will do a really good job of that. I do know that um, the Midjourney community is, uh, is kind of open. So if you go to midjourney.com and um, you can search for the hundreds of thousands of images that have already been generated and they, and you can see the prompt that made them. So that's a really good resource to start to learn prompt craft, as, as they say. Um, uh, looking through it as one would, almost as one would look through a stock catalog finding the kind of imagery that you're interested in, look at the prompt that created it, and and then literally cutting and pasting it yourself and starting again. Have you seen this website where people are like selling prompts? Yes. For like two or three yes. bucks? Ridiculous. What do you it's think about that? It's ridiculous. I mean, it's ridiculous. I mean, I, 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 all, the prompts, all prompts that are created, even all the prompts for my comic, you can go on Midjourney and search, you'll find every image that I've created and rejected for the comic, and you'll see the prompts that I used to get them. Um, there are uh, quite a few artists now, artists, quite a few prompters who are now on uh, uh, freelance platforms like Fiverr who are selling illustrations. They're selling, you know, they're doing band covers for indie heavy metal bands, or they're creating characters for fancy authors. Uh, and it's easy for those author, I guess, to just, you know, pay somebody 10 bucks for it for an image than it is to A, create themselves, or B, spend literally hundreds, if not thousands of dollars to get that from a professional artist. Any final thoughts? Uh, by the way, I just I just playing around with Chinese in mid-journey. Uh, Xi Jinping is a banned word. Interesting. Let's see if I can do it in English. Um, there are lots of bands of, you know, so for, for, all, its, um, for all its benefits, Midjourney is still a very um, moderated platform. Stable Diffusion, you can install on your own GPU and have it work in the background, and and it'll pretty much give you what you want. Moderate Midjourney is designed to be a space where where not only adults can go, but teenage could go. So there are lots of banned words. They're all the obvious banned words, but there are also not so obvious banned words that still provoke, you know, blood or gore or nudity. Whatever. I think bikini is banned. I think bikini is a banned word on mid-journey. I wow. think Cronen Cronenberg is a banned word. 
because if you ask it for, uh, you know, the kind of image you get with Cronenberg movies, you get a certain type of, of kind of violent gore. So Cronenberg is the easiest way they've found around that is just to band about Cronenberg. You've expressed interest in the possibility for AI to curate sensory experiences. So I'm wondering if you have any ideas for live shows. It's a really exciting time. It's a really exciting time. I think in, in all my years, I've never been quite so inspired. Uh, the, the possibilities of storytelling just from this um, image system as it stands today. And as I say to you, it's gotten dramatically better over the last few weeks. I had a friend who once got very excited about digital photography and kind of showed the images of those first digital cameras and they were small and they were like postage stamps and you would look at them and you go, this, this will never replace film. Kodak will never go out of business because of digital photography. I remember having that conversation once. And, and he would always say, but this is the worst it will ever be. Right now, today, what you're looking at is the worst that will ever be. And I think you have to look at Midjourney and Table Diffusion and all these systems and say that to yourself. As great as it can be, this is the worst it will ever be. So what does that mean for the future? Well, it, you know, I, I, uh, I've seen some people starting to experiment with, take, with creating um, visuals in, um, in, in AI and then creating meshes from them and then creating 3D prototypes and printing those 3D prototypes. So how far could you go along the production? Could you start using it to sculpt? Could you start using it to design and prototype as a pair of sneakers? I mean, I think, I think the world is about to change, not in the sense that artists are going to be out of business, and they are. There are two things we can talk about here. One is what's the future of being an artist and what does that mean? I had a young guy come to me with a portfolio recently and he showed it to me and he said, well, do you have any tips for improvement? And I said, yes, go, go learn mid-journey. And the reason I said that to him is because when he's out in the marketplace, and he's, it was a great portfolio, but he's competing against people with 20 years experience, 30 years experience, and he always will be. Whereas he can go and learn mid-journey now and he can be competing with people with two months experience maximum, no more than that. So it's an opportunity now for young people coming out of the college to, to, to be there at the beginning. And I think that's a, that's a, that's a wonderful opportunity, not a closing down of an avenue. But I think the other major impact is that in a world where everybody can create who consumes, why would I consume art if I can create art. Now, maybe I'm saying that's an artist, but I think it has some profound implications for, you know, art is a little bit, I love, you know, I've been in the art field myself for 20 years and um, nothing can compare to a well-written comic or a, um, or a beautiful photograph or, a, you know, a wonderful painting. But art has always been as a gatekeeping, right? I can't draw. So I need somebody else to draw for me. And the comic proved that wasn't the case. I know that there was no longer a, a gate through which I couldn't walk. I think there was, and, and the cameras in our pockets changed photography dramatically. We're all now photographers. You go out with your iPhone and you can create stunning photography. And I think in a sense, even though there are still photographers out there, we think about photography in a really different way than we did in the 70s and 80s. And I think that will be a start to apply to all art. I think, I think this 
this tool amongst others is going to start what does it mean when when everybody can create imagery at will do they do they consume in the same way or do they produce uh steve thanks so much for being a, for being a part of china talk uh, this was fun thank you